Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Triforce Tactics Podcast. This is episode 33. You know, I, I know what episode it is every time because I just look at the title of the stream. Because I would never oh know otherwise. But we have more with us today. Mr. Mortog himself. Hello, hello. Glad to be here. It's uh, nice to support these, uh, you know, fun podcasts and good conversations. And so, yeah, it's cool to be here. Sheesh. Sheesh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I added like some jazz hands in there. Uh, anyways, uh, I'm your host, Spicy Appies, joined today by co-host Ram Kev. You want to say hi? Hi, I'm Ram Kev. That, was a, that was a bold hello. Yeah, that was that was an like, aggressive hi. I like it. Uh, unfortunately, Jirachi cannot be with us today. They're at a concert. Um, there's actually an emote on Twitch now called what is Trump? Is it trombone? Trombone? Some trombone? Trombone? Is that trombone? It's it's some trombone emote. Trombone, trombone time. Is this one. Yeah, it's a good time. emote. Uh, highly recommend anyone who's not what it looks like to look it up on on Seven TV or, or Franker or you know wherever you go to look up your your Black Margaret emotes because it's a good one and it's very representative of the fact that Trombone constantly steals Josh from us. But that's okay because you know it's life. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think today will be a pretty good one. We're going to talk a lot about competitive TFT. Uh, we should get some pretty cool conversations going, considering that. The man who, the face of TFT, the man, the myth, the legend, can talk about the side of TFT. It's like, a, in my mind, it's like a parent watching their kid put, like, at a soccer game. And, and more just, like, watching competitive TFT go. And, like, when you learn it. So, so <laughs> it, it, under that analogy, it's really hard sometimes to not be the, like, the over-controlling soccer dad, like, yelling at the kid, like, come on, what are you doing? Yeah, well, like, the ref, like, yeah, <laughs> like like that fucking red card, huh? Like, yeah. like my yeah. kid didn't you know. kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, what are you doing, competitive TFT? Come on. <laughs> uh, we'll also touch on the LCQ, which just happened, as well as some maybe quick world predictions, or just talking about it a little bit. We're still we're still a week. Away. Oh god, we're only a week away. Yeah, yeah. It's, next it's, week. it's coming. Yeah. It's coming Holy in crap. quick. Coming in a yeah. lot. Um, so we'll touch yeah. on that and then, uh, yeah, we'll be good. Anyways, my week's been great. I, I took some time off last week from streaming. I'm just trying to find my, my group. I think after the season's kind of over and I played Pokemon. Uh, I was telling more of this b- beforehand, but I got, I, I, there was one game I came out of, out of Pokemon ready to write a twit longer about how I got more dog. I was fuming. <laughs> I, I will say, <laughs> I will say playing competitive Pokemon Made me very grateful for how RNG works in TFT. Well, you can't miss yeah. you can't miss a rock slide in TFT. You can't get flinched in TFT. I mean, Fissure exists in competitive Pokemon. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah. Every uh, every move you click, every time you click Focus Blast, you have to take a thirty seventy coin flip. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yep. And that the stuff like that is definitely not seventy percent accurate, right? You miss at least it's half definite, your Focus Yeah, exactly. If not. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, I miss half my electro webs, and that's a ninety-five percent accurate move. I, I don't know. I yep, need to check yep. the stats. Um, anyways, how have you been doing, Kevin? I've been good. I've been good. Let's see. Okay, so you know, you know, it, what this week has been exciting. If you look at my LP graph, it's actually crazy. In <laughs> one day, I went from thirteen hundred LP to eight hundred. Oh. And it and it all started. It, Ow. It, it all started. It all started when Aniko griefed me in one of my Merc games. It was three one, and he ff. 
And I, I like tilted off the face of the planet. I tilted off the face of the planet. Ow. I turned off stream, ran it down 500 LP. The next day, ran it down 200 again. It, it was, uh, it was kind of mm. bonkers. You should. It was. I, 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 I swear. It's it's not as bad as Hunter losing 800 LP in a day, but it was pretty close. We 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 were getting there, we were getting there, and then uh yeah, I, I did that. You know, I played I played some Genshin, nice. and uh, nice. what else did I do? I actually I watched some Genesis Genesis Eight. Oh, great play, tournament, great tournament, and and some of Ultimate, but J Mook J Mook and Melee. Kind of popping off for those that aren't aware there's this uh so genesis is like a smash tourney right it's like one of the biggest ones out there and there's this like relatively lesser known players managed to make it to grand finals he was like 20 something seed and he beat like was was he the chic player yeah he was the chic yes. player okay yeah he had he some super bald, impressive right? sets like like they're like so i mean he was a you know one of the best players in the world right now, largely in consideration for the best player in the world, uh, Fox player in in losers finals. J Mook made him look like like when you when you look at like a, a fucking bronzy. It was it was awful. I, I only then, caught grand finals and oh they, yeah, no, were grand not finals, grand finals. Not, it was a wash. It was a wash. <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah, no people were excited that J Mook beat IBDW, but then like people were like, oh yeah, but he's he's gonna get he's. It's, they, yeah, it's free, free Zane tournament. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. the face of consistency. Um, I was gonna say something about. Wait, go through your day one more time, really quickly, Kevin. It will jog my memory. Oh yeah, and my food doing... got stolen today, so I had to order lunch again. So I woke up, right? Got some food, got stolen. Had to get the same meal. Play, play some TFT. Did some research work. Overall, overall, uh. Not Pretty neutral yet. day considering the food got stolen, but outside of hmm. that, it was positive. So net zero, maybe. I remember what I was gonna say. It was actually about your week, not your day. But great to hear about your day. <laughs> I'm sorry your food got stolen. <laughs> um, I was gonna say that I, with the the losing hundred LP one day thing, I've heard that you can actually demote from GM to Diamond. You yeah. can't go from Master to Diamond. Yeah, it's it's can, a can known you still bug. Do it? Oh, I, I don't you know. know the... I think we might have. I think we might have fixed it, but yeah, it is a bug. Oh, but what about going from I challenger to diamond? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we, if we if we fix the GM bug, we fix the challenger bug. Ah, but. I see. But yeah, that was really funny. They're like, yeah, we put in the demotion, but we didn't expect anyone to lose. You know, four hundred LP in a day. So, and your hunter. <laughs> uh, how has your week been, Mort? It's been good. Uh, I've been on vacation uh, last week and this week, so I go back to work Monday. Um, been doing random little projects. Upgraded my stream with Gangly. Um, been doing some family stuff. Um, let's see. Yeah, we're setting up the pool finally because it's starting to get hot here, so the kids will be able to play in the pool. Um, you know, stuff like that. Spending some time with the wife when the kids are at school. Uh, played Inscription, which was an interesting game. I can't talk much yes. about it without spoiling it because it's a game that can be spoiled so but it was an interesting game that i liked until i didn't so yeah. <laughs> um actually on, on, when you talk about inscription recently my brother uh 
he like he was he gifted to me on Steam. And he said you have to play this game. Like you will love it. He knows like TFT. I don't know if he knows more, but my brother is a notorious cog. Was a notorious cog Lima one trick. Uh, he picked okay. up TFT and set six, and that's all he did. And he was, we played doubles together. Okay. And it was painful. But um, uh, <laughs> and so he said you like TFT, you like this game. Um, and I tried it, and I was like, this game is sick. I played it for one night and just forgot about it. So you <laughs> make me want to pick it back up. It, it, yeah, yeah I mean, cool. you definitely should play it until things, and then then we can talk about it. But like, yeah, you can't talk about it without spoiling it. So mysterious. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not mysterious is the result of the LCQ. Oof. What a pivot. Because it has happened. <laughs> it has happened. <laughs> yeah. No, it's out you there. know what happened. <laughs> the results are out there. Uh, so the two players who made it were Jang and who not yeah no, Jang and who is the other person? Uh, Lucas. Lucas. Yeah. Lucas. Yes. Um, was Lucas? What region was Lucas from again? I uh, think Lucas Bra- is Brazil. Yeah, Brazil. Brazil. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I can only say that I must have gotten more dogged. I actually have not watched it myself. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> No, no, honestly, like, Jing's an amazing player. Uh, it's really cool to have a region like Brazil represented in the world. I think that's, I mean, you know, Latin America, South America. Uh, I think it's been a long time coming to have some, like, like big representation. Although we've had, who we had in Worlds before that was, I thought we, did we have Latin America in Worlds before? I mean, they've, they've yeah, been yeah. at Worlds. It's, it's yeah, the yeah, same yeah. regions, we just upped the number of reps. So. Yes, yes. Um, Still sick. Yeah. I, I had Latin America. <laughs> good friend <laughs> i i watched the tournament because i was casting games three and four uh which oh, hilariously enough both of them turned out to be voracious appetite games so that was kind of like anticlimactic casting <laughs> um it was a really good tournament i i think it's honestly like i wish we did more stuff like this with the whole cross region because it was very hype seeing the different regions and i think a lot of people were underselling you know brazil especially and how well they did that tournament uh, I think both Lucas and Jing have been to Worlds before, so it was not that shocking for them to do well. And then, obviously, the crazy thing to talk about was how Ramblin didn't quite make it by literally the oh, third yeah, tiebreaker because he had that terrible game three where he went voracious appetite and like couldn't find a two-star Mal's forever. And even that game, it was a tie on HP. Like They both were at negative 13, but he lost that tiebreaker and got eighth. So it was just like... Very heartbreaking for the NA fans, but overall it was good TFT. Like a lot of good comps played, a lot of people doing well. Lucas did really well and then almost threw it at the end there. And so, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I mean, I um, I definitely need to go watch it. I, I kind of just decided to take a step back from watching stuff or until the world's like I focus on other stuff. But um, yeah, I heard about the tiebreaker with Ramblin. So I, I think there is. Not, I don't want to say controversy, but there was there was some discussion about it because the third tiebreaker I think was number of eights when in yep. and in North generally in North American tournaments it's uh, or we're used to as, as a region is it's um, the last like tiebreaker is is it no average placement's first it's yeah first. most recent placement yeah most recent placement um, which I think so what happened right was that he he went eighth he had one eighth in the, and the yep. Lucas did not and then he got first the last game and Lucas got second if I'm not mistaken yep. Oh uh, no! It was right. Jing got second, so yeah. Jing got second. Okay. Yeah. Uh, or it was Jing. Oh, sorry, right. Jing was the. So, it was. It was. I think there was a conversation about it because, um, you know, a lot of America is very used to the the third tiebreaker being uh, not number of eights, and so 
you know, not that it was, it's kind of arbitrary, I think, what the tiebreakers actually is. And I, obviously it was all set up beforehand, so everyone knew what the rules were. So there's not really anything to be said as like, in, in terms of, oh, this was, this was wrong or like, this is, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know how it is. It's anytime the results don't go the way you want, you start questioning the rules a little bit. There's those people who do. Um, you know, I think they asked me what the tiebreaker should be for Worlds based on how that went. And I do think the number of eights was definitely one to pull out. I don't think it's like the most favorable. But that's also mm -hmm. kind of one of the cool things about competitive TFT is every time we do a tournament that has a really stupid format, cough, cough, Ramkev, Footlonger, cough, cough. It's like, cool, <laughs> never doing that again. You know, yeah. and so, like, we know not to do those stupid things. And it, I don't think the eighth was, like, that bad. But I do think, like, there's an argument where it's, like, someone was making the argument that it should actually be the most eights is good because it means you you low-rolled and we're still able to come back. And it's, like, eh, that's pretty debatable I mean, also. That, yeah, because, like, if you go eight, it's not necessarily necessarily that you low-rolled. Yeah, that's how I play right. ladder. Most right, it could just be that you greeted or whatever. Yeah, and so that's debatable. But I think, you know... What was interesting is as I was helping them with the world's tiebreaker rules, it's like there's some really gross scenarios, especially in multi-lobby groups where it's like, what happens when two people literally get the exact same scores, the exact same games? It's like, how the hell do you tiebreak that? Yep. So, I yeah. Think, I mean, I there think, is that, do oh, they still right. do Swiss at Worlds or is it? Uh, uh, it's, so. it's six lobbies and you're going to play in like with three games and then rotate three games. So. Uh, okay. Because I remember, like, the set four... I mean, the set four one, basically, you never end up with that just because they, they put all of the, like, highest-scoring people together and then... Oh, yeah, it's not that this time. Because, even because again, we talk about learning from past formats. That format it had the problem where, like, four China players end up in the same lobby and this whole, like, weird conversation of, like, it was my advantage to lose, so I got into the easier lobby. Like, I think this tournament, all mm -hmm. the lobbies are already preceded before anyone even got there. So it's just like, you know, you get what you get. And again, that's where the tournaments keep getting better and better formats as we go on learning from the oopsies. Yeah. And I mean, there's been a lot to learn thing from as well. The set, I mean, there's been a lot of, a lot of situations in, at least in, in the North American scene of like these weird tiebreakers slash like it's good to lose things. And honestly, yeah. that like that's indicative of us needing to change that. Because I think that those situations, as much as they've popped up, because like there are two big ones, right? There's myself and Setsuko in the Challenger series. Like Setsuko yeah. was it was beneficial for him to lose that one game. Yep. Uh, and then there was this recent one with uh, with Way at regionals, yeah. yeah. Which I think it ended up not mattering actually whether he he FF'd or not yeah. in that spot, but it still was beneficial for him. Right? He was guaranteed to get through. It was another way to guarantee himself through, rather. Um, yeah, and, the 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 Setsuko one I think was like bad right like we know yes. never never do checkmate format with more than one spot mattering right like checkmate format is great for worlds and probably nothing else um the dqa one though i think it's really fun i actually yeah, think that's a yeah. fun scenario i don't think that's nothing anything to like raise arms about right it's like you, you end up in a very niche situation where you can like sort of control the outcome and where you're gonna end yeah up I think yep. it shows how tournament play is, is even like beyond the game sometimes, right? I think it's it, like it looks so five headed, just fucking FF because that guarantees you to the world. That's that is a, that is a cool way to get to worlds, right? Because um, it didn't really take away from the hype of the event, I would say. Yeah. Plus, it was like the secondary thing, right? Where it was like whoever had the best mm -hmm. average scores across the whole tournament got to go. And like that secondary condition was actually kind of cool because it didn't just turn it into like, okay, top four of eight move on. 
okay, like it's already decided. Like there was actually some drama behind it. So that was fun. I, I don't know. I would definitely do that format again, personally. Yeah. Yeah, I think that one was good. I think uh, checkmate formats in general, in my personal opinion, it's good to move away from them for like these qualifier events and stuff. I think, you know, checkmate format at Worlds is like, I think it it's, makes it a much more enjoyable thing to watch to not have a winner before the last game, right? If, if there's seven people yeah. going last game that can win, then that's, it gets really, really cool. Um, it's it's not like the best way to really say who was the best player on the day or anything, but I, I think Worlds is a, and we can talk about this, we can talk about Worlds a little more, we can just start talking about Worlds with this, but I think it's good to have Worlds be a, like a showcase of like hype moments and like like how cool it is to watch TFT. As much as it is about the competition and, and deciding who's the best player and stuff, um, I think it is good to make it like a really good thing to watch. Yep. I'll also say, I, th I think, you know, that's the competitive argument, right? Like the whole conversation you just said about like finding the best player, you look at any sport, any competition, and I think you can make that argument of like, did the, really the best team win? Did really the best player win? Was there some circumstance that day? You know, and so especially in a game of variance, it's going to be harder to find. But yeah, as long as it's an entertaining thing to watch and competitive, I think that's what makes a good esport. Yeah, it's just kind of um tricky balance of competitive integrity or just like how how well you're are finding the best player with how fun is it to watch and i think it's, yeah, it's yeah. um and again with variants like tft it's often not the case that like the the best you can't really have the best of both worlds in any mm -hmm. situation i would say um yep so yep uh so worlds any um any any predictions any like big like this is my dark horse they're gonna win the whole tournament I mean, as far as people go, uh, I'll admit my favorite going in is Casey Double. Uh, oh, the yeah. way Casey Double played uh, during the EMEA qualifiers, uh, he played insanely well. He like the final day, he played six different comps, had top four to every game, played out of his mind. Uh, you know, Andy's a previous Worlds winner already, so like that story of like getting a second crown would be really cool. Uh, so he's kind of like my favorite going in. Um, I think Dark Horse, the other thing, it's kind of funny, if you remember last year, they had the, the 20s people, and they did the, like, day one play-in, and I think it was Esha, and I forget who the other one was, it was the J the JP representative. The Japanese player, yeah. Yeah, they had yeah. to both do the, uh, the, the play-in, and then they both ended up making it to the final day, so I kind of want to see Jing and Lucas, who had to do this last chance qualifier, then all go all the way to the final day and maybe even make it, like, that would be kind of a cool story as well. Yeah, and I think it'd be really cool to see Jing win because Jing's been so high. I remember when we first started hearing oh, yeah. Jing, right? I think it was like it was must have been set four, set four worlds where four, he was yeah, like the right. yeah, the, the, he was in destroying in the ladder in, in Turkey. Yeah, and, and like it was it was not even close. He was the best player by a landslide, so everyone's like he's the god of TFTs and coming to destroy everyone. Um, and, I remember we were doing know, uh, the the casters fantasy draft, and I got first pick, and Jing was my first pick because at the time he was so ridiculously hyped up and then he ended up getting day one but yeah like that was definitely and like i said seeing him come back and seeing him do well would also be another cool story so those are kind of my top three right now yeah uh, kevin do you have any like region you think you're gonna you think is gonna uh, do well so okay i at first have a question do either of you know if that titans rexi build came out of china or not it did uh, it did it everything did? everything comes okay. out of china now china is never winning I refuse to believe that. <laughs> that top sucks. 
<laughs> it is so bad. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. It, yeah. Oh yeah, my I, god. Uh, what was really one... funny is seeing all the people then try to copy it and go through like the two day process of realizing it was bad. Like, it's like I'm just sitting there going, like, guys, come on. It's Titans Rexi. What do you think's gonna happen? Yeah. Oh, like, oh no, man. I just didn't hit my my D claw. I didn't hit my, my D claw yeah, like yeah. Titans. That's why I lost. Nah, nah. It's, it's there's none of those. You see a Titans freaking Red Side walk up on like two bodyguards, take a little little bit, not get through the scrap shield, and then die on a last whisper saber, and you're like, oh. And who the, the hell thing, came uh, up? Who told me to yeah. play this? <laughs> and the thing with um with like three starring strikers as well is that I feel like Rex size synergies just don't really at least the strikers are things right. Like you don't get a lot for three yep. starring striker because yep. you're 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 getting base AD and it, but percentage wise like it, it kind of falls off the, the higher. It's why like one star Sivir is so good, right? Because you said something. Yeah, that's. I, I was talking about this. I've talked about this a couple times, but yeah, Sivir continues to be. I think a big mistake, not in like her design, but in the way she interacts with her traits, as you mentioned, both oh, Striker yeah, and Hextech, tech, like they don't care what star level she is. And so yeah. like, realistically, there should have been a little bit more math done to make sure that the jump from one star to two star Sivir was actually meaningful, you know? And so like, it is, it's very different though, from like set six, right? Where like in set six, if you have any one star four costs and they're on your board yeah. as your carry, yep. you're dead. <laughs> it's yep. Goodbye. Yeah, there's between one star Yone and two star Yone. It might be the biggest unit level diff I've ever felt in TFT. Because yep. <laughs> one yep. star Yone would just sometimes blow up. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, especially a melee champion. It's like they need the HP yeah. and the AD. Like one star Jin 6.5 is like passable ish. Ish. You, you know. Yeah, you need the right units around him to make him yeah. feel really you, good. You need right? a solid front line, basically. Yeah. But if you have neither of those, it's like. Well, yeah. yeah then, then it's not. He falls. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I remember, I knew when I said this last week as well, but I remember watching the Casper clip of like the one, the, the Rek'Sai 1v9, right? And the 1v9 is just like a fight going where Rek'Sai is, is basically doing nothing. And then the rest of the board is killing all the units. And then they're all up like one HP and Rek'Sai goes around for like 10 seconds autoing all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The Rek'Sai 1v9 is you have nine <laughs> units on your Rek'Sai board and one unit on the other person's board and you win. Nice, nice. Buy some. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so Kevin does not think China will do well. I think China's always kind of a... It's always kind of a mystery because they, I think like they play so differently. At least, you know, and I, I keep saying this, but like from a North American perspective, right? I said this in terms of rules and stuff, stuff. They play very differently from us. Uh, so I think, you know, meta, meta like comps, um, even just like play styles and stuff can, can differ a lot. I do have a lot of like, oh yeah, go ahead and work. So, so this is kind of a dark thing I'm going to talk about here because it brings up some weird questions. But the one thing I'll say about China is they have a lot of regional pride. And I think they're the kind of region that is actually willing to like, let's say one of their players is doing very well. The other players will actually start to help that player and make, make them win. And I think that actually gives them a very large advantage because there's nothing in the rules that say you can't do that. And I think a lot of the other regions are frankly too arrogant to consider something like that. Yeah, I, I, I that's fair. I think, uh, I think at least for, so if I were to get to worlds, right, I definitely wouldn't see it as like a, like I'm going to worlds as, as I, I, I'd see it as I'm going to worlds as a member of NA, but I wouldn't say like, okay, I'm going to grief my own game potentially to make NA do better. I'd say like, this is wrong. Every man for himself kind of thing, right? right but like right. if I win, NA wins. 
kind of thing. Um, so that's definitely something that, you know, that, that's definitely a region diff. Um, I, yeah, I think we I also think that, like, for China, like, I, I know I just made fun of them for reroll Rek'Sai because I think it sucks, but, like, <laughs> I think they're, they're, like, the region that's most likely able to, like, find some kind of, like, optimized comp that nobody's ever thought of. Like, they're the, they're the region that came up with, like, Frontline Draven, you know? Or, like, yep. Yeah, they also spark trundle. Mm-hmm. I mean, even also, right now, uh, the 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 popular comp has been the four four two Sivir, and China was playing that you know four weeks ago. Uh, so, and even in their regionals right now, that's what we're seeing played a lot. Now, granted, it's like fifty percent because it's so populated right now. Um, we're starting to see China shift into innovators as a counter, which is really weird and interesting. Um, but hmm. yeah, China just so far this set has been very ahead of the meta. The one weakness so far I think they have is that they also play very, very greedy this set. Like, they put all the econ augments as, like, S-tier. If you get a rich get richer in China, they think that's, like, the greatest thing. And so in a lobby where six other players are not playing greedy, uh, that could potentially be their Achilles heel. Yeah, they'll either... They'll just kind of right, they'll either hit, and then they'll be the strongest person in the lobby by far, or they will just die. Because they take 20 damage every single round, uh, the entirety of like stage two and three. Yep. I was gonna say they also popularized because I think like Lucian Dex was pretty pretty popular in NA for a little bit as well. That was definitely Arcanist, a Lucian. Yep. Right? Yep. That comp was super strong. I will I will say the best part about Chinese comps are when you go to like the website where, where they're all listed and you translate, you auto-translate it, and it says like like Dark Magician Lucian, uh, <laughs> Dark Magician Lucian plus like Magic Magic Man Vex. Like the auto translation yep. yep. is so funny. Well, they they give they give like a lot of nicknames to their comps and units, uh, mm-hmm. and so like those nick those nicknames then translate pretty poorly, and it's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, any any predictions for the meta of Worlds is gonna look like? I mean, if you believe the players that are constantly DMing me for B patches, it's going to be Sivir and what beats Sivir. Uh, and I think Voracious Appetite Mutant um, is going to be the big thing. But that being said, every world so far, we go into it with like, sort of like our understanding of the meta. And it usually plays out kind of like that, but the comps that end up winning are never that. And so it'll be interesting to see if the people really stick to it. Like, obviously, Reckoning, you know, it was the Kled meta, Kled meta. And like definitely people were playing around Kled, Fledge. but Kled's not what won, you know? And so I think that's what's going to be interesting is seeing what's the not played stuff that ends up doing slightly better. Yeah, there was that really you know cool blitz. It was, it, was, uh, it was, what was that last call? I'm, I'm trying to say Blade Master. It wasn't Blade Master, was it? That, that, that wasn't a synergy in set five. It was, it was like that, the no. person that won Legionnaire? was like Riven... Oh, the Legionnaire um, comp. Yes, Legionnaire, not Blade Master. Why am I saying Blade Master? Yeah, it was Legionnaire Nidalee. Yeah. yeah, it was super cool. It was a super, super cool build. Yeah, I mean, like, oh, that was vertical, out of China. vertical Legionnaires yeah. was, uh, was, I remember that that patch was like, you get slept on. There's a free dub. Yep. Yep. But, yeah. yeah, no, and, and that's what I'm saying is like, that's, I think, been the Achilles heel of it, like NA and EU, is their unwillingness yeah, they, to like play those a little weirder comps that have a lower average but much higher potential they so. don't they don't try the wacky stuff i hope yeah. somebody pulls out like the enchanter <laughs> reroll i think that comp is actually mm-hmm. like very very top doable 
Uh, or or eight bodyguard, eight bodyguard, eight bodyguard, yeah, which is oh, actually so, okay. I think it's the best comp of the game by far. It is. Eight no, bodyguard, yeah, one actually, yeah, no, actually is so the best comp in the game. Yeah, you know, it's insane. Bodyguards, stick the bodyguards <laughs> fat on like some kind of five cost, and then yep. it's just like someone who scales. You gotta, you had to hit eight bodyguards. Yeah, yeah. that's the only issue with eight bodyguards. Any any prismatic start with a bodyguard crest, you should win. Oh yeah, like go. You know. Uh, yeah, my YouTuber just, today actually is an eight bodyguard where I ended up with like eight bodyguard Kaisa and uh, yes. Senna for Socialite 2. And it's just like the Kaisa's sitting there with a 2000 HP shield, 500 <laughs> armor. Like, <laughs> see you later. Yeah, if you play any unit that, like, I think the best two are just Ari and Kaisa because they just naturally scale the course of a stage. So yep. you don't even need items for them, right? If you play an anonymized Kaisa 1 on an eight bodyguard board, you win the game. Yep. It's so yep. good. It's so cool. Uh, yeah, I, I love stuff like that. And I mean, I, I do agree that NA has been historically unwilling to to do that uh, at Worlds, I would say. Um, like Kevin, I think going to Worlds and set four is a kind of exception to that where he was like yep. one of the NA players who was really willing to play like every angle, you know, one like reroll every one one cost, every two costs, every three costs, all these cool, cool lines. Um, but yeah, oh, yeah. yeah there, think... there's exceptions, right? But it's like generally on the average. Yeah. You know, like you're saying. Exactly. So, yep. Yep. I think the players don't clench 2020. Like... I, I know like GV is trying to be a bit more rigid. Of, like, Milk tends to find one strat where he like does the same, does, does the one thing and optimizes it. And I think DQ is pretty similar. Well, yep. in, in the sense that yep. he like makes a lot that. of the same. Who yeah, I think um, Gubos. Gubos. Yeah, Gubos. Gubos. I could see playing a lot of things though. Gubos. Yeah, he, he generally plays pretty wide. Gubos I'd say. I'm excited to see what he plays. I, when Gubos is at his best, he plays wide. He knows the meta. Uh, when he's at his worst, he gets in his own head and thinks there's only two comps, and then plays poorly and crashes and burns. So we'll just have to see which Gubos shows up. So, but I, I mean, um, his regionals performance. If that same Gubos can show up. I think NA has a shot. Yeah, well, we, we've given him the eight bodyguard tech now, so he's gonna win worlds. <laughs> yeah, now that we gave Goobums eight bodyguard, <laughs> may as well hand him the trophy the, now. You know. That was the clincher. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, I think uh, yes, I agree. I've been playing. I mean, I've been playing a little bit of TFT this week. I guess a little more than a little bit. And you know, Silver definitely feels strong. Uh, I think Strikers in general feel pretty good right now. I've seen. Uh, okay, the thing I've been seeing a lot this week is that. Uh, it, you just play strikers, and every belt goes towards a Zeke's. And you just mm-hmm. go ball items on a Sivir, and you just win. Like, like it's so yeah. yeah it, Best in slot really is three Zeke's. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, no, like I said, I, I think Sivir is definitely like the easiest comp to make work. It has a lot of options. It has a lot of flexible build paths. The scrap shields are frankly nutty, uh, providing a ton of value. So yeah. it's like it's definitely when you can pull it off, it's really really good. And with certain augments. You know, like a strong back foot or anything else. Uh, you know, scrap emblem. Or just uh, it's any, it's like, a very, very good comp. So, and that's not to say there aren't a lot of lines that beat it. Is the big thing, right? There are a lot of lines that cap out a lot higher than Sivir. They're just they're harder to find. They're harder to catch on to. I would say. Yeah, that's what I'm um, saying. Like from a purely average standpoint, I'm, I'm confident Sivir's the best comp, right? Yeah. You know, if you if you looked at average number of top fours from any position, it's probably Sivir. But that's not how you win worlds in a six-game format. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I think I think it's tough to learn all the lines too, right? Because there there's some lines that like like an augment opens up or like a certain unit at a certain 
early point in the game opens up, and and those are the things that can be tough to catch on to. Uh, so now that we're talking about worlds, this is a, a great time to start talking about just kind of TFT in general. And on the topic of augments, how do you feel like augments have, have done in competitive TFT? Uh, the answer is mixed. Uh, I think from a viewership standpoint, they make games more interesting to watch. I think, you know, seeing the same comps in the same patterns over and over is not a healthy viewer experience. And so seeing alternate variations long term is going to be really, really good. Uh, you know, seeing people adapt to, you know, gold lobbies versus silver lobbies versus prismatic lobbies, I think that is healthy and increases the skill depth. Uh, all that being said, though, uh, I think this is like Augments 1.0, right? Is like, and this is kind of spoiling like one of the articles that's going to come out soon, but it's like, it's it was a starting point, right? It's like, are these the right stages for Augments? Are these the right power level for augments? Are these the right distribution rules for augments? Probably not to all three of those, you know? And so it's like, I feel like there's a lot of room to improve the system, both for not just competitive play, but just in general, right? Like, clearly there's been some weaknesses here, but I think looking at that, you have to look at the system as what it could be, not what it is. And then under that lens, I think it's an amazing thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I could not agree more wholeheartedly. I, I fucking love Augments. I, I, I think Augments increase the skill expression in the game like by a, a, a country mile. Um, I think, as so as a player, I think, uh, I'm saying I think a lot, <laughs> but I mean, I do think I get a lot, I guess, sometimes. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think uh, that Prismatic Augments have been the least enjoyable experience so far competitively. It feels like Prismatic Lobbies can be really volatile, and, and those are the ones that are hardest to really, like, get like really juice you know like, like sort of for example a really good player will make a silver augment feel like a gold augment right they'll they'll make their board work with that augment in such a way where it's really valuable and then a prismatic augment uh it kind of feels like it's harder to it's harder to like like mix and mold and like, like some are just if you get the it's wrong like one at the wrong time you, it's kind of fucked because they're somebody obvious gets a good prismatic augment it's sort of like uh I, I think the way that I would think about like the, the best part about augments I think is as this as another layer of like decision making onto mm -hmm. the game, right? Being able to make more choices, like an increase in skill expression is really nice. And then I, but I, I think like, you know, if you're like a competitive player and you end up in like some prismatic lobby on like four, you know, you, you're having like your standard game pace and it's like four what is the what is the time? Four six? Mm -hmm. And it's like boom, prismatic. And you've like been clawing your way back. You did a roll down on level seven, and suddenly prismatic hits. The power level of the lobby just shoots through the roof because a bunch of people got like really good prismatic augments, and then you got like sort of mediocre picks. That's when it. I feel like that's when it kind of feels a little bit iffy, or like uh, feels bad for the player, right? Because I, I guess it's just like the power level of the prismatics really makes the, the yeah like very big. Yeah, so the thing to look at, and this is sort of my job as like, you know, one of the designers and the lead of the project is I agree with everything you're saying about like prismatics in their current state, right? Like clearly, you know, if you get golden ticket on force six and somebody else gets, yeah. I don't know, new recruit, let's just like a generic example. It's like the disparity there is obviously incorrect, right? Like this is what the hell, uh, because golden ticket at one four is very different than golden ticket at four six. Right. And this is what I'm saying. These are the learnings that we're sort of grasping with as we move into sort of augments 2.0. And so when you're having these conversations, instead of talking about what is, 
it's like let's talk about what it should be right because right. let's be clear i doubt prismatics are going anywhere as much as certain people want to rant that like prismatics shouldn't exist mm-hmm. they're, they're not going anywhere. but the question is like what is the power level of a prismatic at one four what does that look like let's let's find a baseline uh i'm going to use golden ticket as an example in this conversation what if this is made up this isn't actually real what if golden ticket existed at uh one um one four as is, but then we made golden ticket prime at four six. That is the exact same oh, thing, but comes with 50 gold. Right. And it's oh, like, shit. because again, I'm using that as a slightly exaggerated yeah, yeah, yeah. example. Yeah. But the point is, it's like, Hey, the augment power is not the same at the early game and the late game. And so we need to account for that. Right. And we need to just figure that out. Uh, these yeah. are the kind of learnings when you, you saw early glimpses of this, right? Like, Electrocute and uh, Ludens starting to scale as the game went on because they were wildly OP at 1-4 and garbage at 4-6. Uh, and so, like, these are the con- conversations, like, us and the team are having is, like, how do we make augments healthier and better? Well, how do we do that? And I think there's a lot of ways to do that. And I think, like, yeah. one of the things, like, a lot of players will sort of have this misconception. Like, if they have a bad game because of augments, they'll sort of think that, like, augments are the reason why like they're yeah. like just the concept of augments is terrible <laughs> and they're like i hate augments right you know i got screwed over by augments but like these are all things that are that can be worked out right they're like you know like think about like in a perfect world if all of the augments are balanced and you can choose between any augments but like your augment decision has like some fair like it has an impact on what your current board looks like then then it's great then it's like fantastic right um and it's yeah. all just a matter of like you know getting getting what whichever one in line etc and i think it part part of the reason why some people are frustrated uh is is part but it's just part of the growing pains i think getting used to like, <laughs> getting used to like you know because so, yeah so i it's interesting because if you look at tft I've, I've said this before but like tft is a game where like everything is a bunch of variants right your shop rerolls your item distribution uh, your carousel choice, your matchups, everything is variance, right? And the entire game is how you play against the variance. To oversimplify it, imagine every variant outcome, like a shop, is a coin flip, right? So every every time you press reroll in a shop, it's a coin flip. And we'll either say you won or lost, one or zero, one or zero, right? Uh, you got bad items, zero. The shop gave you a two-star you needed, that's a one. Augments are like flipping 10 coins all at once. It's not like it single-handedly decided the game. And you can clearly still win because a bunch of your other coin flips were ones and not zeros. But because it's the biggest event of coin flips, players over-index on it and go, that's why I lost. And it's like, well, it's it's clearly the most impactful reason to your understand like to your senses, but it's not actually why you lost a lot of the time. So Yeah, I am. Um, so I have a hot take here, and I've played this a lot over the course of the set. But I feel like people who complain about augment diff just don't play around augments well. I think augment diff is a is a concept is a really stupid concept, and it does it does happen, right? You can get augment diff. Um, like I, I think the thing that happens is that over the course of the game, the chance of getting augment diff rises, right? Like I think a prismatic if a prismatic come, pops up on on one four, you are not going to get prismatic diff on one four with prismatics. I think maybe you won't win the game because someone gets a better prismatic, but you will not bought four by getting a quote unquote bad prismatic on. I think you can you can play your game around it, right? Because you make you can mold your game towards some plan that that works around that augment. Um, well, I mean, 
to, to, over, to even oversimplify it, right? Let's say I give you the worst augment at 1-4, right? Just the worst prismatic augment, right? I don't know what that is, but let's just make something up and call it the worst prismatic augment. The reality is you still could high roll your units, your items, get a merc cash out, whatever, and still win the game. And so I've seen it many times just watching various streamers, right? And so it's like, again, over-indexing on your augments is just the incorrect way to look at the game. Well, yes, I think the other thing too is that um, the other side of that is that people often don't try to make the most out of their augments. I think the big example of this I'd like to use because uh, the chat saying, okay, that's not really correct at all. I, I, I disagree with that. I think it is pretty correct. Um, so I, I personally think that I'm one of the best players in a this set at player and augments, right? Because I think there's a lot of cool lines you can play. But definitely, I think NA is a region where it's not necessarily the most flexible region of all time, can struggle with, with maximizing use of augments because they look at the game in terms of comps most of the time rather than in terms of like units and their interactions with their, their items and their augments, right? So if you can, if you decide, if you get an augment, there is no reason not to try to make the most of that augment. And the basic example of this, I think that I often find is like, the most obvious example is like makeshift, right? Let's say you get mm -hmm. silver makeshift on the beginning, at the end of the game. And then you have an option to meet, like you have, so let's say you have like an allow in your shop and a Darius in your shop. You should always buy the allow right? Cause you're, you want to play towards bruisers just makeshift first available with max HP. And then you'll see people have makeshift like that just say, oh, I want, you know, this comp, let's say some, let's say like silver with brawn front line is popular, right? So they'll just say like, oh, I'm just playing, this Sivir Brom comp and then makeshift's okay because they have a Brom. When they could be playing like this, you know, four bruiser front line that makes that turns makeshift from a silver augment there into like a gold augment and how much value it gives yep. you. And yep. so people just get they're like, oh, then they lose and they're like, oh, I got augment diff. Like makeshift wasn't good for my board here. Well, yeah, no shit, makeshift wasn't good for your board. You didn't play towards making makeshift good for your board, right? Um so that's my hot take. I know people particularly and I really like to talk about how augment diff is a really big thing. And again, it does happen. You definitely can get augment diff. Oh yeah, um, but I think and regional. Yeah, like you can, hundred percent. Uh, the way to like make that less of a thing, particularly at like, like I think prismatics are the easiest time to prismatics in like four six are the easiest times to get augment diff because you can't necessarily change your whole game plan come stage four and stage four if you get an augment that pushes you in a different direction, right? Contrary to what you're already going. Um, in prismatics, there are so meaningful that it can be really hard to... You know, if you get a worse one, it can be harder to play around it, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and and that's where I think, again, our goal should be not to go, okay, Prismatics at 4-6 shouldn't exist. It's what would an appropriate power level and distribution rule of Prismatics at 4-6 be to make it fair, right? And like, obviously, that golden ticket example I used was overkill and not correct. But, you know, we got to figure out what type of augments at 4-6 Prismatic are okay. Assuming it's even at 4-6, right? Like, maybe there's an argument that because it's 4-6, it's so late, there's nothing you can do about it. That's incorrect. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I, I agree with you, Mr. That, like, I agree that there are some spots in the game where you should not get certain augments, right? Uh, but I think it's very rare, at least, and I think third augment, again, is, like, the easiest place to get augment diff, but it's it's not, like, a lot of people will, will not, try to make most of their augments or they'll drop an augment because they're trying to play towards this certain carry and they'll play the certain board around the carry. Instead of editing, you know, you can you can mold a comp. Um, uh, yep. You can mold a comp to make use of stuff. Like, so scrap Scholar, Scholar Crest is an example here like Goons is using, right? And that, so if you get Scholar Crest, one, you must have really bad options to take Scholar Crest, right? So you're probably not playing for first, but you can maximize the value of Scholar Crest. Play 
you know, like find a way to fit scrap on your board so you, you get two more components worth of value. Or, and then use that scholar crest in some, you know, like, get scholar like crest and you prage. Oh, actually, you so, can't get lifelong learning second. Anymore. So let me let me let me talk <laughs> about scholar crest for a minute here because I think that's actually a really unfair comparison that I think yeah. a few players have overly shit on. <laughs> um, but the reality is, in six scholar crest was fine, right? Because Janna was scrap, you know, and so it was like cool. Yeah. You're getting plus one scrap, and so it's a fine option. It existed, totally fine. The other thing is, as I've, I've kind of talked about before, is like when we shipped the augments, you know, trying to get 200 augments out, we went with like, hey, all the hearts are silver, all the crests are gold, fine, there they go. And very clearly, we're sort of learning that like, look, they're not all created equal, right? A bruiser heart is not the same as an innovator heart. Oops. You know, and so that's what I'm saying. Augments 2.0 are going to take it to the next level and sort of figure that out. But looking at Scholar Heart and going at 6.5 and going, how dare this exist? I totally knew better. Like, get off your high horse, you know? Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, you know, a game with like 6,000 different moving parts and someone going, one moving part isn't correct. Like, you're right, but like, get over it. We'll keep working on it, so... Yeah, I mean, there again, yeah, the power level augments really difference, right? Like, like something like Scholar Heart or Scholar Crest is going to be weaker than than like Sharpshooter. Uh, you know, that's yep. that's just what it is. Um, but and that's just that's not to say like I think augment diff is um, is real and that like it, you know, sometimes you're not enough, like your augments aren't good enough to get a top one, and that's just it. Like sometimes your items are good enough to get a top one. Sometimes your your rolls aren't going to get a top one, right? That's just part of the game. Uh, but I think the idea that like Getting bad augments will just make you bot four, or like bot two or something, is almost never true. It's it's much less often. It happens much less often than people. I mean, think. Like like I said, it's no different than not hitting your two stars or getting yeah. bad items. Like yes, there are many things in the game that can go wrong. Augments are one of the things that can go wrong, and even in you know augments four assuming we get there, right? There's not going to be this world where every augment is the perfect choice for you. Like there. Even in the future version of perfect augments, sometimes you're going to look at these augments and go, darn, this isn't exactly what I was hoping for. Yup, that's TFT. If you've been playing this long, I'm sure you figured that out by now, right? Right? Yeah, I think it's fine for people to be... Um, for example, I think criticizing the fact that Scholar Crest exists is, is like, you know, that it is falling. It wasn't a good thing for the game and eventually well, yeah. got taken out. At that point, and you know, like stuff will, will change. It's not like, like that's not to say that you, you know we shouldn't voice when uh, when something's obviously not working, but you know, not everything's going to go perfectly in a given TFT, anyways. So, yeah, it's like one augment is one augment is bad, therefore all augments need to go is like a yeah. That that's yeah. sort of like yeah, because augments are great for the game. I, in my the, the one that's been on my too. radar yeah, personally as a player is a binary. Binary airdrop, right? Like, that is one where just the ceiling is so high at this point that, like, oh yeah, that was you know. And I, I think, yeah, that's <laughs> you know, clearly been a case where I think like has probably been gold for way too long. But this is what I'm saying. Like, as we move forward towards the next set, it's going to be a question of like, what is the actual power of a bronze augment, a silver augment, a gold augment? What are their ceilings? Are we allowed okay with their ceilings? Right? You know, junkyard was really really powerful for a long time. Now it's like meh by minus one you know and so that's gonna be a lot of like 
Because the nice thing about the system now is we don't need to add 200 more augments, right? Like that's not what the system needs. What it needs is refinement. And so I think, but again, to your original question of like, are augments good for competitive? I think as they refine, yes, augments will be good for competitive. In their current state, mm -hmm. it's a little dicey. It's a little dicey. Yep. Totally agree. Agree. Uh, or I think it's, it's going to be really good for the game in the long run, 100%. It adds a lot more depth and yeah. Uh, so, on the topic of competitive TFT, we'll go on a little less uh, contested of a topic, a little less controversial slash potentially. Um, Wait, that was, that was controversial. On any that side. Was, Wait, how did we even get down that line it, of conversation? I'm trying to remember where we left. It was the that. augment pivot from uh, augments, talking about. Augments good for competitive was the question. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. um, so, this is going to be a pretty easy one, Mort. Yeah. Who's your favorite player? <laughs> easy one in quotations. Yeah, if you don't have say, one, oh, that's, yeah, that's so easy. Like, if yeah. you don't have one, you have multiple. People want to know. I mean, look, <laughs> what I'll say, is, I'll give a few examples. Is what I like are players that approach the game, the, the you know the way we always envisioned it, right? Which is like open minded, uh, trying out lots of different lines, as you said, and are generally a positive attitude, uh, you know, and. Not like overly positive, because like I'm fine with critiquing, but just like generally happy with the game, you know, or, or generally happy to talk about the game. And so uh, to that end, I can give a few examples, um, not to kiss ass to the host here, but Spicy, you've been a great example of this, this set, uh, you know, the NAR game. I'll always look at that NAR game <laughs> that you played, and that NAR game was freaking brilliant. Every caster is like, what the hell is he doing with this blue buff NAR? And then you win the lobby. Like, that's... That's the dream of TFT. Uh, Ramblin is another great example. When Ramblin comes to me with a complaint, I take it ridiculously seriously because Ramblin doesn't complain often. But when he does, it's like, cool, let's have a good conversation. You know, um, Dasik has actually gotten a lot better at this um, as a EU example. Um, but those are just some examples. And like, like I said, there are many others. Um, but that that's kind of my like, what I'm looking for in a competitive player is someone who like plays to win, has a good attitude, and is willing to be like, "Yo, this shit sucks," but like, let's talk about it. Yeah, I would say my so I have like a favorite player of all time, and then like just players I like. So I, I really like watching slash just interacting with, and and you know I really respect players. I was like Kevin and Ramblin. I think they're probably my two current the two people who play right now that I I could not uh, respect more in terms of play style. Um, and, and just like obviously with the homies, <laughs> uh, GV8's right up there too. I, I, like, I got a TFT on, on Goose. Uh, yeah. and then probably of all time though, and this is going to be a throwback is Pulp. I think Pulp I learned the most from, and he was the <laughs> yeah. coolest TFT player I've ever Pulp seen. Pulp was good. Pulp was awesome. Pulp was to to answer cool your guy. question a different way, by the way, though, is like, there's the play style as like a, a competitive player, but then there's also the like entertaining streamer, you know, and like. Sometimes yeah. you're looking for two different things when you're watching a stream. For sure. Know? And so as far for as sure, entertaining sure. streamers go, you know, as much as Soju complains a lot, like Soju is entertaining as hell. Oh, yeah. Uh, I also find Raditz. <laughs> oh, yeah. Raditz is also very fun. Uh, I like mm -hmm. watching Raditz. But those are like, that's for entertainment value as opposed to the way they play the game. Yeah, I have like a billion channel points in Soju's chat right now. I never talk. I just lurk. And I I'm going to gamble them all in one shot to get enough for VIP one of these days. But I'm too nervous every time a gill pops up. It's like, like go first or anything else. I'm like, uh, uh, and then <laughs> and I don't do anything and I wait. 
Nice. <laughs> uh, Kevin, what's, who, what do you uh, what do you think about? I mean, mine is fairly what? obvious. Yeah. I have a Twitch clip about it. It's Ham Ham Gang. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you know, outside of that, it's probably it's probably GB8. I think, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's it partially because I think I've been I've been watching him the longest, so it's just like uh, is there a psychological phrase to, to describe <laughs> what does that, that mean? situation? You know, like you oh. know, you, you know, crush. like things like a ho- yeah, the psychological phrase <laughs> homie cry. <laughs> <laughs> You yeah, kiss a homie with GBA. Can I just say I'm so happy for him as far as his arc goes? Because I know oh, yes. like, he was doing really, really well, one of the top. And then there was this like brief lull where I, I think he was sort of questioning if he was going to continue, maybe looking at like becoming a caster, and then like decided to stick with it. And now here he is going to Worlds. Like that is an arc, and that is awesome. And I'm really hoping he does well at Worlds. Yeah, me too. I mean, he's. Having having him be like one of the prime inspirations for my like for just me getting TFT along with Pult from from set three onward, right? Like watching him, you know, getting that that lull and then come back to where he is right now has been it's been so fucking cool. I'm so happy for him. I, I could not be more excited to see him play at Worlds. And it's just it's amazing that he got there. You know, watching um like watching uh it's like set five regional set four regionals just always you know like I always be in GBH chat every every single every single time. <laughs> And uh, and it was always a heartbreaker, right? And then we don't talk about like, set three regionals, though. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> actually, were you there set three regionals? I you, I I was watching wait, set, set three regionals. Was he was that? Did you get day one? That was the one with Kerum and so if if you if you were there, um, so it, this 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 is remember. one of the, the the crazy things about checkmate format, you know, because GV eight, you know. Socks was like, if anybody remembers those lobbies, Socks was like way, way ahead of everybody mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in terms of yeah. points. If he gets first, it's over, and whoever. Yeah, this is the two, 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 right? Yeah, the two, 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 two. He was like one tricking Bang Bros, right? Yeah. And um, so it, one of one of the games, it was Purim versus Socks, final two. GV eight sends Kurum a DM. And you can see it on the stream. <laughs> he sends Kurum a DM telling Kurum how to position his bit, like his, yep. his units to, to beat Mechboard. Because th- this is the way that Mech worked, right? Victor shoots a laser, right? And it goes the laser goes from one corner to the furthest unit, right? So he's like, you need to put your vein and your echo on the same side yep. so they don't yep. both don't both get completely fucked. And so he messaged him that, and then Kurum ended up winning that game, and then we got Obos. Wait, no. Who who, who did we send? Yeah, it was the... um The, the, the Oceana player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, him and, and Sox <laughs> is, a, is a Bang Bros 20 out of 20 player. Or like, <laughs> yeah. almost 20 out of 20, yeah. Yep. That, that's oh, insane. That was... I didn't Obo, know what the DM. Yeah, Obo. <laughs> in, in the before times. I just remember reading that. Oh, I was like, "Oh my god, wait, is this like cheating? Is this like <laughs> mid-set coaching? Mid-set coaching?" Which like, the answer to that I think was yes, but that was one of those like, "Oops, I don't think anyone had put that in the rule book yet." <laughs> oh, did I did I actually miss that to Kerm and mention that to someone else? Yeah, my bad. Oops, I meant to send that to random dudes. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, like, do, do 69, yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, uh what were your what were you guys' favorites favorite set? Like like, you know, uh not so maybe the format wise, but like like turn like you know, favorite set is in the how the best tournaments for you, like to like to watch and then like the best worlds. You know, it's funny, and this is gonna sound generic and fake, but it's not. I actually think every Worlds has been getting better and better and better. And, like, it's worked out. Like, because keep in mind, checkmate format can go horribly, horribly wrong, right? You can get that scenario where it's, like, nine games in, and then the guy who got was in seventh place ends up getting a first and winning it. So it has the potential to go horribly wrong. It hasn't yet. And so far, every Worlds has been, like, the best player wins, and they win with style, and they win with a really cool comp. Because, like... That five worlds, I think that eight Legionnaire Nidalee game was just like S plus way to end the tournament, you know. Before that, it was, uh, what was it, set four? JG, it was JG Kale, eight Legionnaire. Yeah, I with the really good positioning. Was, yes. Like the <laughs> insane positioning that like he shouldn't have won that game, but he did, uh, you know. And so like... Zyku, oh wait, who was it? I think Zyku lost with like a Samira too. Yeah. Is that the yeah, first time so, Bryce always talks about? Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> and so, like for me, uh, like my most favorite so far has been Set Five Worlds, uh, and I hope it was. It's funny too because like Set Five was kind of a rough set, but it had a great Worlds, uh, and it also a really lame format, right? With the whole play-in thing, that was not great, uh, but the results were fun. And so I'm hoping Set Six can top it with really good format this year, a lot of good competitors, you know. But we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. What's what are you, Kevin? I, I got you mid sip. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah, it's probably it's, pro- it's probably. I mean, it's it's definitely set for, but that's you know personal bias. Yeah, because you were there. <laughs> I was there. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm gonna say set six personal bias. So I got him good. Yeah. But I also um, I also really enjoyed set four. I like chosen was one of my. You know, people will shit on chosen, but I still think chosen was. Such a fun mechanic. Look, if we've if we've learned anything about sets, it's that people will shit on them while they're playing them, and then about six months from now, they'll call them the best thing ever. And, you know, I'll continuously about... shit on sets. No, for sure. That, that, that's the that's the one set that I'll. Continue. All right, all right. Yes, fair. fair. Shadow <laughs> items. <laughs> yeah, shadow items will be uh, one that I think. But even then, just even shadow then, I see people. I see those Reddit posts that are like, actually, I think shadow items were really good, and I missed them, and you're like. Okay, like, get it? <laughs> so, you know who likes set five? Dax. Dax likes set five. <laughs> I thought he likes set 5.5. I'm pretty sure he also doesn't like set five. <laughs> I hope he doesn't like set five for his sake. Not that it's, okay, honestly, not, it was a kind of a bad set. It was just not, it's the least fun set, comparatively, I would say. Look, um, I think 5.5 will go down in history as the most improved mid-set. Oh and yeah! I don't think yes. we'll ever oh, top oh. that. I don't think we'll ever top that. I think set five is the only time playing TFT that I have legitimately not had fun. It was in the in the, the forgotten meta when everyone just like donkey roll on three two. Like they rolled this like it rolled on zero three two. Have one vein and then like top four. And I was like, oh man, <laughs> this is this is not what I want to play. This but, is I mean, set five point five was yeah. <laughs> set point five 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 point five was a great comeback from that. Yeah, a, yeah. A big Plus, there were like so many cooler things that you could do, like you know the frontline Draven stuff. Like you know, before it was like ver- like set five went from like verticals. You had the same color boards. Like towards the end of set five, it was everybody choose a color, 
and you buy the units oh. with that color. Okay, there, <laughs> like, there's, there's a design thing. So much <laughs> there, there's a design thing in there that's really frustrating to deal with because, like, okay, obviously verticals are good for the game, especially for newer players. They need to exist, and then obviously them their colors starting to match will like made it easier to like, oh yeah, buy all the green units and play them. But it has started this meme of like, buy all the green <laughs> units, win the game, and it's like, God! Yeah. It's, like, it's still the right call to make all no, the no, green I, units the same. It, it but God! So yeah, when, when the meta was just there's a yellow unit comp, a red unit comp, a blue unit comp. Blue unit comp. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, you <laughs> but, it, but it's better than like comp. set three when it was like every comp is purple. What do? Yeah. So like clearly it's gotten better, but uh Yep, yep. No, I agree. I agree. I will say the one issue with that is that I can never tell the difference between a between a twitch and a singe and a nocturne and a jarvan. I, oh. I will hit these shops and I'll be like, oh my god, I hit three Jarvins in my two one shop or my, my like one two shop or one three shop. I, I and then it's just have... not. It's it's just two Jarvins in a, in a nocturne. I ha- I have a very pressing question actually. So mm-hmm. I think did did the portraits for like Twitch and Zach get greener going from set yes. six to six point five? Is yes. that because of Debonair? Yes. Okay. That's insane. Yeah, okay, great. Kudos, that, Kevin. Great. Yes. Holy thank yes. goodness. Okay. I, <laughs> yes. I, otherwise I'd be going insane. Otherwise, yes. no, they, they got changed and you're exactly right. It's because the Chemtech and Debonair lines were looking too similar. And mm-hmm. to help people in the shop distinguish, the artist made the correct call to make Chemtech more green. So, yep, good good eye to detail. Wait, that's insane, Kevin. Yeah, I remember <laughs> loading into PBE, and I saw the Twitch portrait, and I was like, what the heck is happening? The, the Zach one was the one that did it for me. It's like, he went from kind of yeah. green to, like, to like liquid green. green, like Kool-Aid man <laughs> green. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I wow okay I'm gonna like I'm gonna look at Foz now and then be like how did I not notice that and it's one of those things you probably just don't notice in the moment you're like yeah oh, just like... load up a YouTuber of anyone from like 6.0 and just like wait till the shop shows a Zach or a Twitch and you'll you'll notice it yeah it's very yeah. I don't know to me I was just like oh my gosh it's like a complete <laughs> this game is completely oh different <laughs> oh, it's a whole new yeah, forget yeah, new unit. <laughs> Someone in chat green like, units are crazy. Yeah, someone in chat just said I should have lied to you and just made you doubt yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kevin, you're fucking crazy. Like that, that did not happen. <laughs> you're you're about well, it's always been that green. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I guess he was more of like a slightly congested booger before, and now it's the yeah, ice Kool-Aid man. For sure. Yep. Yep. Um Wow, I feel like my whole is that yeah, is that ever happened before between sets? Uh, is this we're getting fun? better at it, so I don't think that's ever happened before, but like I said, we're we're getting better at it, and the team's kind of realizing like how to do it quicker, so this time we were able to get those in. Gotcha. gotcha. I, I, I feel like I, I, for a second I was saying, guess myself, like, like, look back at a set and be like, oh yeah, lots of three costs here, and it's actually just like like a, an Oriana or something with a totally different unit. I just didn't notice. Um, oh, my favorite okay, was that my mind. Darvin and Mordekaiser. The Dark Star purple guys. Yep. Yeah, they were so purple and so dark. I was like, I can't, I can't. Yeah, Dark Star was the worst we've ever done at this. (laughs) Uh, So here's a big one more. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about stuff like Fortune and Merc in a competitive setting? Or for a competitive TFT? 
I think they're good for the game, but with a big asterisk. Um, I think, for example, having these like high risk, high reward scenarios uh, is healthy, right? I think, what was it? Uh, Spencer, for example, pulling the draconic play to get his spot to world because he knew it was his only out. And then he like high rolled the five egg, the five turn egg, if you remember that. Yeah, you got a huge uh, yeah. one. You got like, a fat egg. A right. Fat like, egg. Those, those storylines are important to keep TFT interesting. Um, I think that being said, Fortune and Mercenary at this point is so solved where it's like, if Habit 2-1, play, otherwise don't, right? Like, we've got to figure out a way to introduce this kind of play style and, and dynamic in a different way. We can't do it again and again and again. Uh, I think that's going to be our big challenge. So I, I think they're important to exist for the storylines, but at the same, yeah, we've got to do something different. So. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think they, they're great for the game. I mean, they like I, I think it makes the one of the casual experience of TFT so much more fun because there's like, oh my god, I hit Mark on two one. It's this massive hit of dopamine, and then you cash out and you get like six Nikos and a Jinx two, and you're like, oh my god, I said Jinx three on four five. That wouldn't really happen, but you know. Yeah. Oh, the, my favorite was uh, Genza or Juan Z that three worlds was a was a space pirate one trick. I'm pretty sure. Yep, that that was so exciting. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> like, the, the 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 design philosophy. Like, let's get real, like philosophical for a second. Imagine if we made a trait that said if you had it at two one, there is a one percent chance you win the game at five one, and a ninety nine percent chance you just don't. Like it just literally at, at five one it goes ta da you win everyone dies like 1% chance technically balanced. Is that good for the game? Hell no. Uh, and so it's like, start moving that slider. <laughs> well, what if it was like 10% chance to probably win the game, but 90% chance to not to, is that okay? Eh. You know, and like right now it feels like Mercs is close to like 30% chance to like top two, 60% chance to not, or in, like in a really skilled player's hand, maybe it's 50, 50. Um, but you know, is that okay? Is that difference healthy? You know, I think we're still trying to figure out where that line is. And I think it's debatable. I know there are some players that are like really not looking forward to checkmate format, possibly being decided by two, one Mercs. Um, but I actually think there's a possibility that could be really interesting where it's like checkmate format. One person gets Mercs, but everyone forces them out. And then actually the player, and then who the Chinese player in the lobby FFs. against them. Yeah, just yeah. FFs you know, so, them. <laughs> yep. So we'll see. But like I said, at the very least, I don't think we can do another lost streak economy trait anytime soon. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, it's really fun that you you mentioned it perfectly. <laughs> you summed it up perfectly. Um, the new the oh, new the new tech is you get to craft collectors. Oh, oh. <laughs> collectors. You it is. <laughs> That's what you do. You take out a frozen heart and make it build collector instead. That fixes everything. <laughs> have you That's ever, the have you for played, worlds. Have you ever played Pirates Collector GP? Yes. That oh, is yes. the most fun. fun thing of all it's time. So he sick. just poops out three gold coins with his all. And like I said, oh, these, these highs that you're describing are what keep TFT interesting, right? It's like yeah. you want to yeah. play for those crazy stories. And so definitely want to keep stuff like that. Again, it's just finding a way to do it while also being competitive. And that is a tough line, but we're going to continue to challenge that line. So, Yep. Sweet. 
Uh, okay. So this is this is maybe a little bit away from competitive TFT, but I have to ask you more. And I, I did I did warn you about this beforehand, but do you know oh, what no. the fuck's going on with Yordles and and League? We talked about so, this like a week or two ago. I, I... lore is wise, seven? I have no idea. Um, oh yeah, like their age. How the heck is is Corky like two years old? Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't know. Admittedly, me as a designer, the one thing I don't care about is like lore in games. Uh, you like, um, you know, you're playing Elden Ring and everyone talks about their deep lore, and I'm like, I, I just don't care. Me swing weapon, me kill bad guy. Like, I don't know, or I don't know if I forget when it was. Oh, it was during the we were doing the the co streaming of regionals, and we got on this conversation about like which Yordle would you date. Oh yeah, and that like it just didn't end for an hour. Everyone was debating which Yordle you would date. Uh, but what I will say is like I'm a huge fan of Yordles. Yordles are actually some of my favorite champs in, T in like League of Legends. I was a Teemo main when I first started. Oh snap! But fellow fellow Teemo, <laughs> I'm gonna call the generous. Oh no! Uh, the Teemo Tomboy, Teemo Tomboy, it's a Zed one trick. Hearthstone Gold <laughs> season three. Yeah. But yeah, I, I actually don't know, and I don't know. Maybe I'll that's ask, fair. That's fair. Who knows? I mean, I just just figured that like you were the you were the potential in on getting some of the Yordle down down low and what's going on in the Yordle. Yeah, I mean, universe. if you look at like the Legends of Runeterra cinematics, that's probably like the most recent stuff, I guess. But is that the one where it was like the the it was like Corky going to save Timo, who got caught by like. GP and or not GP, it was like Graves. And, yeah, well, there, and I mean, GL, there was that yeah. cinematic, but then there's also been like the cartoon ones after, where like oh. the girl explorer Yordle was going to different regions and occasionally would go back to Bandal City. Oh, so I at see. least there's like at least that's like kind of recent. So, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I, I that's honestly more than I expected to get. So that's <laughs> we have. We, I feel like we're, we're slowly finding breadcrumb after breadcrumb on this trail to figure out like like whether people know what's actually happening with the Ordles or it's just this big you know it, like yeah, this big the, incredible lore dump of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's different I, timelines and universes <laughs> yeah definitely not my uh not my area of expertise that's for sure that's fair that's fair um not, so not here's something <laughs> now that we've taken our Yordle detour uh what do you feel about I guess this is kind of a too open a question. I'll narrow it down a little bit. But so with open with kind of grassroots tournaments in TFT, you know, we've kind of been lacking them for the most part. Um, how do you personally feel? Is like, what do you think is the best way to start to like make those more of a thing or make them more more likely that people enter? Yeah, that one's a hard it's a tough one, one because it is a tough one. Um, because you know, I did like the three Mort Dog Madnesses. Um, I think, you know, we've seen like Fight Night. We've seen some grassroots ones. The challenge is, and I don't know how to solve this, is like a lot of the TFT community, not all, but certainly a, a size of them is like, unless the prize pool is greater than X, no interest, right? Because why would I participate in this when I can go make money doing something else? Um, for whatever reason, this has been a community that's been much less willing to be grassroots. And I don't really have an explanation why that is. You compare that to like Smash, which you were just watching, and like those tournament prize pools are silly. Like they're not even real prize yeah. pools, but like they get hype as hell, right? Like, and I don't, I don't have a good explanation. I can't, I don't understand it. I, I personally, as a gamer growing up, like I just want to compete, you know, like 
to be honest, yeah. it pains me that I can't play like Fight Night because uh, it'd be fun, you know. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Uh, and I think that's been the big challenge because I've seen a few places like try to do it. Right? They'll do these like hundred dollar free entry tournaments, and I just don't know how many people they get. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm so. Uh, someone in chat has mentioned this. I think a lot of it is that like people, a lot of people who play TFT came from League, right? I think that's no surprise. Really, they're the same sure. client. People moved over, migrated over. I think that maybe there's just partially, and it's not obviously the full reason, but there is a little bit of an expectation that like you know, uh, or I guess it doesn't feel like there's a lot of grassroots League stuff necessarily. You know, if you want to play casually competitively, you can do like Clash. There's um and then like yeah. you know, there's ladder kind of as that environment, and so maybe that's that's like part of the mindset coming over. I also think. Uh, I think at least in terms of Smash, so um, I, I grew up on Smash, right? That was my big mm-hmm. big thing I played competitively for a lot of a lot of my life, and that was that what that was what that consisted of was going to tournaments, meeting friends, we like watch yep. tournaments together, and you know there's a lot of um, like personal interactions and, and you know a lot of like really good friendships that, that came from that, and so I think that's something that TFT is an online game, which really like really booming in the COVID era has been lacking, oh. like, you know. I know Gangly yeah, are talking TFT about making COVID, like yeah, like TFT Summit and like lands and stuff, and those would be great. I think for the community just in general. I mean, TFT really hit its legs when Set Three came out, and Set Three was literally like Set Three literally came out the day we were sent home from, to, from work to COVID. Like, like the timing could not have been worse in that regard, right? Like mm-hmm. the fact we've had like what no lands since the freaking what was it the Set Two invitational i think was like the last real lan i don't think so, i've seen a lan happen since i got into the game which is like the beginning of middle of yeah, set three been... so yeah that's insane think about yeah i, mean, I hopefully... remember i was casting something i was like something near the end of set two and yeah and then like literally two days later it was like go home covid so yeah yeah uh i i think you're right that that hurts i think you're right that the riot expectation also throws a monkey wrench into it. Uh, you know, I guess TLDR, maybe TFT should have been made by Nintendo and then no one would have any expectation. <laughs> <laughs> Sheesh! Woo-woo! <laughs> they air horn. Yeah. Hey, uh, <laughs> they go straight to ga- grassroots. They're like, oh, Nintendo released it? Off the grassroots we go. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean look, I worked at Nintendo, like, but we know, right? Like, they're not really yeah, I mean, tournament <laughs> themes. You know. I, the, yeah, I, unless you're even BGC is like not really supported. It's like you win a BGC tournament and you get like there you go, Pokemon flush and two hundred bucks. No, not literally. Yeah, that's what it feels contro- like. You know, it's, it's yeah, literally because like <laughs> even the Nintendo stuff, right? Like that gold controller, it's like it's one of those things that like, oh, thirty years from now it'll be worth like a million dollars because the, the crazy collectors will want that stuff, you know? Yeah, but I can't pay rent tomorrow now. <laughs> Right, know? right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, yeah, I, and, and that's like I don't want to get into this too much, but like that was actually one of the coolest things for me was the tournament you won Spicy Appies and you did the interview and you were like, "Yeah, this is a month or two rent," and that oh, yeah. was a big deal to you. And it like it clearly showed the difference in perspective of some of the players. Right, is like for you that was awesome, that was very helpful. For others, it's like eh, whatever, you know, and it's like. I don't know. It's it's gross when that becomes the motivating factor as opposed to what it used to be 20 years ago, which was playing the game to compete and have fun and compete and see who's the best, you know? Yeah, I think um, I think the top level, there'd be players who have both ways, right? Like, they're, like I think um, I, I'm not, I don't think it's, it's 
necessarily right to like demonize. Not that's what you're doing, but they demonize people who are in it for for money, right? Because it's 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 their right to be in it for money, and I think that's. Um, I, I'm sure. I think like you know, someone who doesn't return it for money, uh, or one return unless there's a lot of money. If these top players who will say stuff like that, like they love TFT and, and they love to compete, and like maybe it's just it's not worth that time when they could be streaming and making more money, et cetera, et cetera, right? And that's I think that's there's not be made that. Eh. I don't, I don't think it's bad. Then, like I guess. Um, let's let's pretend I was a big streamer that had more than two thousand viewers every time I streamed. Uh, you know, it's like having these tournaments and then like setting up things where your viewers can like bet on how you do and like mm-hmm. forget a bunch of streamers have done this right where it's like every time I bought four I'll gift twenty subs. It's like you can create it's really yeah, it's just great content. Like you know, so I, I don't know. I, yeah, but like you said, I mean, everyone's motivations are different, and that's fine. So. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. I mean, I, I'm very much on the same side that you are, and that I enjoy the competition and like the the money is is amazing. Like obviously, the, like three months of rent, or it was it was yeah, it ended up being like like three months of my share of my of my rent, which was fucking amazing, right? Nice. Like I win a TFT tournament, now I pay my bills. It's amazing. Um, I remember like the first the but, first time I did well in a TFT tournament, I was like, this is crazy. I can now afford to purchase things on Uber Eats. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ordered a pizza like the next day. I was like, oh my god. Delivery, baby. I don't have to nice. get my ass out of my chair and go get that. Nice. They bring it to me now. So um, basically, basically uh, TFT enabled me. I see how it is. I see how it yeah, is. it definitely enabled me. And um, it was like... Yeah. like I, I, I'm, so part of the reason I compete, like, I, I love competition. I love getting a TFT, and that's why I compete mostly. But I, I would be lying if I said I didn't... like like the money wasn't part of why I want to win, right? It's definitely an aspect of the well, Of course, of course, um, right? And that, like, yeah. It's just, again, yeah. you look back at, like, season one of League, right? And it's, like, the guys who won Worlds, you know, the Freaks Basement memes, it's, like, what, they hold, like, a $25,000 yeah. check for the five of them? <laughs> you know, it's, like... Yeah. Esports have come a long way, and so, I don't know. But, but like I, mean, I, I, I yeah, that's I right, like, different motivations, but... Like I said, grassroots stuff I think is good. Everyone talks about one of the golden ages was during set three with what was it called? The Challenger series? Where they were playing oh, yeah. like every week. Yeah, they had Challenger series. I think they had that both set three and set four. Like at yeah. least the beginning of set four. And yeah, and more more stuff like that is good. The other thing that's challenging with TFT though is it's just like the time frame, right? It's like let's say you wanted to run a tournament with 128 people. How many games over how many days do you have to play to make that work? Yeah, that's hard, right? Where it's not like yeah, a fighting just, game where it's like you and I can run a best of three in eight minutes, you know? Get your ass whooped and in, in yep. two minutes flat. Yeah, yeah, you can't you can't play two minute game of TFT. I think that that's also a big tricky factor, right? That people don't want to dedicate their weekends or something to yep. six hours of TFT when they could be playing ladder. Which yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'd be down too. Just get uh, a but... circle of eight computers. <laughs> Big circle. <laughs> but let a land, I think it'd be sick, right? Because there's that that's the thing, right? Like I'm down to spend eight yeah. hours at a Smash tournament, but I wouldn't spend eight hours in an online bracket. Uh, oh my I, goodness, I just, I just thought and... about think about hologram technology, man. The future of TFT. You have a like Yu-Gi-Oh! but TFT? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! but with Monster Kado. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I think, think about uh... how sick lands would be. <laughs> exactly. I think even maybe at a casual level right now, like people would rather spend their weekends playing, uh, or at least at, like, there, I think there's a certain threshold of like someone who's getting into masters and trying to get better at the game, like maybe like mid to high masters, like low GM, mid, you know, somewhere in there, they're like, okay, I want to start playing tournaments because I, I can realistically start playing these bigger tournaments. Uh, but someone who's, you know, maybe like Diamond, 
uh, or below. And this isn't necessarily true for everyone who's like in five and below, but they're, they're probably more likely to say, like, oh, I'd rather spend my weekend playing ladder because I can get well, LP. Yeah, and this is where this is actually a like much deeper conversation about like where games have gone in the last 20 years because the idea of a ranking system inherently messes up your view of where you are, right? Fast go back to melee, right? You would play, you would play with all your friends, you would play maybe at your school, whatever, your locals, and you're like, I'm the best in this group, I'm so ready for tournaments. But you had no idea how good you actually were, right? I remember I was clearly the best Smash Brothers player in my group of friends. And first tournament I went to, I got 0202'd, right? It's just like, that's how it is. Now with a ranking system, it's like, okay, I'm Diamond. There's a Grandmaster player in my lobby. I expect to lose. And like that messes up the like ability to even just have these sort of like casual tournaments because everyone already sort of knows where they, they fall on the ladder. And like that makes it harder. So Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, there's definitely an experience of being an O2er <laughs> for a while, right? <laughs> like, I, yeah, I, I remember I, um, it, it makes you makes you grow. And that's not really something that happens in ladder because you can see the, the big perspective more or less, right? And there's, you, they have the whole thing panned out in front of you. You can't, I, I remember I, um, when I was getting, I, when I, I was winning, I started winning my locals after like a year, right? And I was like, okay, I'm going to go to a bigger thing. I'm going to go to mass and go to a tournament. I was like, okay, yep. there's no fucking way I lose to anyone. I'm like, God, I just learned my midnight up string yep. up, up air strings. I went and I went like two two. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wait, uh, maybe I'm not that good at that much. <laughs> see, see, for me at the at the age 17 to 18, 19 range, I was into magic at the time. And magic was like the exact same experience, except you'd spent hundreds of dollars yeah. to make a deck you thought was good, and then you get O2. And you you're like, clapped. not only do I suck, I wasted all this money, and that was uh, that was hard, you know. <laughs> oh, I have I have a very embarrassing thing to 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 share here because I was actually never an experiencer of the O2 phenomenon because I was an Icy's player and I cheated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I showed up to my first tournament, brought out the Icy's, won the first match. And so next week we'll be having two hosts. Kevin is off the podcast from here forth, just for personal reasons. <laughs> nice. nice. Wobble a bitch. No. Booted. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I remember, you know, it didn't cost money, but I remember the, the embarrassment. And my dad was like, oh, yeah, I'll drive you this thing. It's like an hour away, but like you're really into it. I'll drive you this thing. And I was like, yeah, you can go off and do your own thing for like two hours. Like, you don't worry about it. And then 40 yeah. minutes later, I was like, hey, dad. I'm gone. Yep. Yep. We go home. Yeah. Yeah. Man. That's that's I'm I'm hoping when like things like packs come back, like maybe we actually see like, you know, tournament locals and stuff like that and people who are willing to travel to that and just just for fun. Like, I don't know. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful, but like we'll see. I remember uh Gang was talking about the idea of and this is very much an idea in this stage, right? But the idea of like a like a TFT summit or something, which would be really cool. I think even just like seeing, um, even just like seeing top players interact in person can help the community. Yeah, come for sure. I think every time the Smash players do that, where they do the thing in the, someone's basement or whatever, like those are great. So yeah, seeing some yeah. some great in person interactions of like top sixteen players or something would be pretty great. Yep, totally agree. All right, we can uh, we can get to some questions. Mateo has been collecting them from chat. Uh, so the first one. And I don't know if this would really pertain to uh, to, to your, what you work with, but are there any plans for most of TFT? Are there any plans for an in client tournament or in client tournament system similar to Clash for the week? 
Yeah, so this won't surprise you, but I'm probably not going to announce new features here on this podcast. (laughs) Um, What I will say is our our vision for TFT has always been that kind of like poker, it's the kind of thing where someone from any skill point at any level can have a chance to compete and then sort of have that dream of rising up, right? Unlike League of Legends, where it's like, unless you're Diamond, you're not going to be able to like, you know, Diamond's underselling. Unless you're like Challenger, you're not going to be able to get to a team, whatever, whatever. We're looking for that sort of like that poker story where everyone has a shot. Now, it's going to take time because the team has to grow and develop things and just making the sets is hard enough. But long term, I think, you know, we want to have a way for all players to be able to participate in some form of tournament because tournaments are fun. So I think that's the goal someday. Yeah. Pete? Hi. Um, yeah. Any, any thoughts, Kevin? Or I guess, oh, I yeah. guess. <laughs> Wait, what? No, I have no thoughts about anything. Yeah, I guess this isn't. <laughs> we talked about this really before. Like... We talked about this idea before. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I was reading the other question. It's a solid idea. So Yeah, I, yeah. I think it, it sounds fun. Like, some kind of some kind of way to just be like, I want to play in a tournament. Let's go. Yep. Boom. Yep. Yep. Let me smack Agreed. some kids. <laughs> I was reading some of these other questions. And I was like, okay, maybe we've talked about that already. Um, so, so there's half of a question that we have talked about. The first half is what comes to crisis the most at Worlds. We talked about it. Sibber. You know, that's kind of the big one, I would say. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. what comes do you think you're going to be played and go fast eighth was the other half of the question. It's kind of a fun so one. I- I have two answers for this. Uh, the first one is obviously Mercs. I think for all the Mercs we talk about, there's going to be at least one player who like two one Mercs thinks he's hot shits and dies in four two. <laughs> I mean, we saw it at LCQ. I think once or twice. Uh, you know, I think that's just going to happen, and we're all going to go like, "Wow, he's dead at four two. That's crazy," <laughs> but it's going to happen. Um, the other one, and this is my controversial hot take that I know Kent doesn't agree with me on, but I think someone's going to like get ahead of themselves and think that they're going to play a strong Draven comp. And I think Draven's just going to get shut down hard in this meta. And that poor player, I think that Draven's just not going to do very good. Yeah, I think there's the, uh, there's like that, I think that I, the Draven like wet dream comp idea, right? It's this massive ass Leona in the front line who won't die and just sits there and lives forever. I like the Deboner version, the Debonair, excuse me. <laughs> no bit. <laughs> Excuse my friend. Let it slip. You're <laughs> trying to hide it all the time. The uh, the okay, fuck it. The deboner version of it, right? Um, <laughs> funny story with deboner actually. But it, so it is like you know this Leona never dies. She's a big solo frontline unit, and this Draven's in the back line, stealing up with a Rage Blade. Exerted by Rage Blade IUGS, and the problem with that is that like that Draven's gonna die before that Leona every single time right now because how much it either is yeah. yeah Sivir Victor Ari even positioned well exactly yeah we'll see so see that's I was I was talking to Goobums about this and it's like in a perfect world a BT Draven would be a good counter to Sivir right because like he'd just be able to heal through all the light damage that Sivir was pumping out the problem is the Sivir comp isn't just the Sivir comp. It's, it's the Sivir Aurelia Jinx comp. And when you have all three of those, <laughs> you ain't healing through shit. <laughs> no, no, no. 
Or yeah, or yeah. they don't have the on, like a unit with a four scrap shield and you're just yeah. like hitting that one unit while everything yeah. else around your team is dying yeah. and you're like, oh god, no. <laughs> yeah. And you're either running you know, if you don't have the jinx or you're running four scrap, you also have this this fucking frozen heart echo. Yep. It's yep. cringe. Uh-huh. Just and, on and top your of your Draven. Can't play the game. Yeah. And you can't frontline the Draven, because what are you gonna do? Put your Draven in front of a bunch of strikers yeah. and have it get stolen <laughs> out by Watch like a Jarvan two killer. <laughs> and, and yeah. that's one of the challenging things about balancing TFT, right? Is it's like mm-hmm. any individual champion in the 442 comp in isolation is not that OP, right? Like Sivir in a six hex tech comp, eh, fine. Probably probably fine. Aurelia in a four striker comp, not that bad. You know, Jinx in a twin shot comp, probably fine. But it took a while. China optimized this 442 build. And it's like, oh, turns out the combination of all of the above, though. Oof. And like, how do you start to how do you start to unwind yeah. that where it's like this exact combination of units is ridiculously overpowered you know like that's a that's a balance challenge for sure yeah, yeah. i think like all of the strongest comps in tft have always involved like multiple carries like when i yeah. think about you know a successful draven board it's not draven per se it's like i also have items on like a kaisa Zeri, Zeri yeah. who can yep. like mm-hmm. AOE damage while my Draven looks pretty over here with his VIP, yeah. <laughs> VIP which, bonus. Which I mean, to be fair, <laughs> it's healthy, right? Like you don't want a game where like as soon as somebody gets a three item carry, they win the game, right? Like that's not yeah. what you want. And so the fact that Draven does need to then cap out around Kaisa and Zeri, like that's that's great. That's healthy for the game. I think obviously the, the big blunder this set was the Warwick, right? It was like three item Warwick. Who cares what else I have? See at the end, you know, like that's definitely not what you want. And so even like Sivir right now, Sivir by herself is not doing it right. It's the combination of all of the above. Right. Yeah. Or like even even the Hextech board, right? As Sivir plus Alistar is like the big thing. Yep. Not just not just the Sivir. I can't, you know, I can't wait to see somebody pull out the Rek'Sai tech. (laughs) It's going to be great. (laughs) Gonna crash I, that's my prediction for the game. <laughs> will, will somebody burn. actually pull it out? I'm trying to remember. Did they actually pull it out in the China? I hope not for their It's hard to say. Hang on, I'm trying to. I'm pulling it up here. I, they probably pulled out Trindamir, but I don't. I doubt they pulled out the Rexai. I mean, I see a lot of Bruiser Renata that didn't do well. So it's a question of did that Bruiser Renata play Kais or uh, Rexai? Yeah, uh, I don't think they marked as Rexai, but. Uh. <laughs> If you think about it, Rek'Sai is like the worst unit to three star because two out of three synergies just don't work with extra, like don't want extra star levels, right? Yep. Like Bruiser gets worse at star level, uh, yep. like percentage wise. Yeah, I go, why would you reroll Rek'Sai of all units, man? <laughs> yeah. If you reroll Vi two cost, Vi two cost was a Woach Brawler reroll. But... Maybe an Elderwood Mutant? Maybe? Mm-hmm. Something yeah, like that, maybe, yeah. It's possible. But you it's don't possible, play, like, but... yeah. But then you're not tightensing it because you already have enough armor and MR, so like I don't know. Yeah, I mean my favorite is know. you go Elderwood and you slam triple spark cast in it. That's that's the greatest. I've seen Kevin do this on stream. It's the greatest thing of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and then you put it in front of a Blitzcrank and watch it die immediately. <laughs> will the Blitzcrank hook still go off there? It, I think it does. Like will they'll still hook the unit in? I don't think I've seen the Blitzcrank just straight up die from the spark damage. So maybe that's why the hook still goes off. Hmm. Sorry, what's the exact case? 
triple Does Frank triple spark killed by triple spark <laughs> common interaction uh, i mean it won't do enough damage but ah there you go it won't do enough damage because it's percentage based so i don't think so what if he goes six sparks i mean eventually enough sparks will kill him what if then you the put question is, why did you build six sparks? <laughs> to what kill the Blitzcrank, obviously. Sparks and put them all around one galley. You build six sparks to kill the Blitzcrank to protect your, your corner bait. Or your corner unit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you only need a QSS if you use <laughs> yeah, five exactly. extra cloaks and five extra rods to make six sparks. Thinking outside the box. Easy workaround. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. Now you just have to find some way to deal with the frozen heart echo. But <laughs> you just build six more sparks in your back line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. But here's what you're gonna do. Next stream, you're gonna build as many ionic sparks as you can on an assassin comp. Let's go. I'm done. Oh, ooh, more. You gotta. This is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. This was. I saw. I was coaching someone and, and one of my friends and, and set set five or no set four point five. And this person in their game had this they were like diamond this person in their game had since that rfc spark cannon when this was an rfc was still like an extra three mm -hmm. like three prices of range so this cannon would jump back <laughs> and it would hold nothing and spark nothing <laughs> <laughs> rfc great so many units <laughs> now that's, that'd be another like fun con competition for content i was watching like asmund gold do the like transmog competition have your <laughs> viewers do like Build the worst comp with eight champions and, and eight <laughs> items. What is the worst comp you can come up with and then judge them? Six sparks. Oh, you know what? Six sparks. No, six sparks is so good. You know, the more sparks, the better. On it. Like, what a what a great item. What a fantastic item. Just watching things blow up. <laughs> Wait. You need... We need an army that lets you put six ends in one unit. We need six shadow sparks. And next to uh, oh, next to like a brand. and then trundle. I mean, we, we got radiant spark, right? Radiant spark. True. Well, we can just do six radiant sparks instead. Yeah, just, <laughs> just get those real quick. No big deal. Yeah, yeah. no. I mean, you just yeah, gotta get the same prismatic augment three times in a row, which I don't think. I'm pretty sure that's not possible. Like, can you get? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. No. Oh, no. no can. You can. Yeah. <laughs> can we enable that just so that we can get triple radiant spark? Please get triple level up. This actually leads us into our, our last question, which is we only hear the news of the Worlds for Fun patch, or the, the post-Worlds for Fun patch, and will that patch involve getting six Radiant Sparks? <laughs> it will not involve six Radiant Sparks. So it's interesting. Right now, I, I think I've been on vacation, but I've been watching the team have this conversation. It's like, the question is, what do you do for the fun patch, right? Like, Because obviously mm -hmm. people start naming off the like ridiculously insane stuff like, get five augments and you're like okay but but no let's let's not because we don't want to ruin the game um so <laughs> i had a brain blast moment okay let's hear the brain what blast if, okay okay <laughs> you have prismatic lobbies but the only augment that they can get is golden egg oh so everybody has a golden egg <laughs> nobody spikes off of the prismatic so, augment until it hatches so, so this, this won't surprise you i hope but you are not the first person to have that suggestion oh my goodness <laughs> many people have been like eggs for everybody <laughs> um what i will say and i i can announce this is like 12 8 is the next patch because worlds is being played on 12 7 
12.8 is the next patch. 12.9 will include the for fun change, whatever it is. So you'll hear about it probably very quickly because it'll go on PBE. And then it'll be live for 12.9 and 12.10. Because the thing is, if you remember, 12.10 is when uh, set 7 goes to PBE. So by having oh. it on 12.9, everyone gets to play it for a little bit before everyone who wants to go play PBE. Because um, we did that last time. This was the two radiant items was the set 5 one. We enabled it a patch earlier so that everyone could enjoy it. Um, so, yeah, that's the thing. 12.9, 12.10. 9 is will be out, but you'll hear it a little bit before. Uh, if we go with the one we're thinking of, I'm, I'm excited for it because it's not, like, insanely warping, but it's, like, fun. But we'll see. Sweet. Yeah, I'm. I think this is the first time I've ever been really excited for a four fun patch because I feel like every <laughs> other time I've had like a really bad competitive season. Like I just want to like be a sweaty, mad grinder at the end of a set and be upset with myself and you know gain LP until I don't and be mad. And now I'm like, oh, I'm pretty happy with how I did. I'm just gonna I'm gonna play TFT for fun. Go figure. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Between working on the game and the challenger push I did in six I was close to burning out. So 6.5, I like, I got to Masters, and then like, whenever I want to play a game, I'm just like, I turn on the TV, I jump in a normal game, and I'm like, what's the stupidest thing I can do? Let's go. <laughs> and then I'll like, I send pictures to my Discord where I'm like, hey, look, Alawi three carry, and I'm winning. Neat. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so that's been how I've been enjoying the game this this patch, this set. Oh yeah. yeah, that's the way to do it. That is the way not to do triple it. Triple Spark Cassidy. That is not smooth. I did triple Titans Rek'Sai, and I agree with you. It was awful. I got fit. <laughs> yeah. I actually I did this thing at the end of set five where I just tried doing Poppy Roll over and over again. And I swear she was bugged to like not gain mana properly or something. Because she was much worse than I thought she was. But I might have just been really bad at just figuring out how good Poppy Wait, was. I thought that set five was when you were doing Dobby Bobby. I did, or was it set four? No, Poppy was in set four. No, in set five, I was definitely for Poppy. I did Dobby Bomby, which was, it was since that Leona three. Um, it was really bad. Go figure. Uh, <laughs> I went seventh, well, I, mean, I didn't go eighth. Well, like an example, I don't know if you saw the tweet I did yesterday, but it was like, I did the Poppy with Jeweled Gauntlet Gargoyle Titans to get as much armor as possible. And I hit eight bodyguard. And the, oh, the Poppy was critting for 1500. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I think oh, that um, was fun. Yeah. I think at the time I was doing like Archangel's Shadow. No, I was Archangel. It wasn't Shadow Archangel's, obviously. Exit. This is end of set five. Yeah. It was like Archangel's, like Rain Archangel or something like that. And like like Gargoyles or something like that. And then it would just be. The idea was this pop would just scale up infinitely and then she would just fucking die. Yeah. Yeah. By one last with her boom. Yeah. Just dead. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. On that note, though, uh, we we are gonna wrap it up there. Um, thank you so much for for being on. Means the world. Yeah. Any any shout outs? I mean, shout outs to all the TFT players who enjoy the game and are are positive to the community. Because you know, as much as much crap as I have to deal with sometimes, the reality is like ninety six percent of players are actually super friendly, super awesome. Um, so shout out to everyone who enjoys TFT. Uh, shout out to all the other devs who work on TFT who might be listening because as much as I sometimes am the face of TFT, it is not a one-man show. It is a team effort. There are a bunch of hardworking devs who work their ass off on the game. Um, so they all deserve a lot of credit as well. Um, shout out to my mods, my family. Shout out to you guys for having me on. 
Shout out to Diet Pepsi for no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> for being the the low calorie alternative. <laughs> yeah, I think sweet. That's it. So sweet. Well, again, thank you so much. Thank you, Kevin, for being a great co-host as always. Thank you, Mateo. And fuck you, Josh Trombone. <laughs> I'll say it. I don't care if you broke your elbow. Catch you next Get week. Get wrecked. Get wrecked. <laughs> bye. Thank you for listening, pepperonis. And make sure to like and subscribe and whatever people do. Bye, bye. Nice. Nice.